Andrew Whiffin is the host. Okay, we are recording. Welcome to episode two of Reach Out for Mental Health's podcast Zoom hangout type affair. Um, hope you're all doing well. Hope you all enjoyed the last episode where we discussed music and well-being um, with special guest Nick Hogman, who's actually in the uh, audience this evening uh, on mute this time. Um, uh, but somebody that's not on mute joining us today to discuss films, podcast, um, podfather, um, former musician, um, magazine owner, uh, actor, and uh poet and pal scroobius pip you all right yeah i'm all right how are you i'm good mate i'm good thank you um i appreciate you coming on today uh, and discussing something which i know you're you're very very um fond of yeah you know it's it's not hard to get me to ramble on about films so <laughs> it's kind of a, a given really wonderful well i think the best place to start at is i guess when you was uh a wee little pip and ask how was like was cinema and and you know the video shop and, and movies on tv was that a, a big part of of growing up at home yeah i think the video sh- shop was more than cinema again like we'll get onto it but cinema is a massive part of my of my mental health to be quite frank these days um and it was one of the things I struggled the most in, in in lockdown at a particular point. But we'll come back to that. Um, yeah, but we weren't that rich. So I don't think there was a, a lot of... I don't remember loads of trips to the cinema. I remember if we were maybe visiting Minan or if we were at Minan's caravan in Folkestone, we'd go and see a film maybe. Um, but the video shop was a big one. And taping off TV and, yeah, all that kind of business was absolutely key. I remember me and my bro- brother used to go and get posters from the video shop, but we'd get uh, game, we'd get game posters for some reason. So it'd be for all these obscure games that, that we'd never played that just all look bizarre and have, have them on the wall. But, but yeah, absolutely adored going in and looking around at everything and, and making the big decision. That was such a thing, wasn't it? Like the, um, the, 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 they'd normally have a lot of box of posters, wouldn't they? Sort of rolled up, and yeah. you'd be like, oh, can, I, "Can I have a poster?" And you would have just random film posters on your wall from films Anything. you probably hadn't seen or computer it's games. Free. It's yeah. because it's free. Again, that's so. That's kind of stayed in my in my mum and dad's mentality. Like something being free is more important than if you want it or not. I thought or have any posters. interest in it. No, I'm no, just no. still like a Howard the Duck poster in your, like, your dining room at your mum's. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> no, yeah. But well, yeah, definitely that. Aside from those sort of formative years, like just just tell us like what, what film means to you. Um it it means loads, man. It was I'd put it down, I'd say when I was at, at college, um a, a guy, do you remember Dan? Harris yes he he recommended um a room for a, a Romeo brass to me and I didn't know anything about it and I didn't no offense at her Dan I wasn't like oh he's he's going to be into his um kind of obscure realist films and I watched that and it yeah it just I was already into films in ge- general but around our way you generally only got the blockbusters on so I yeah. think it was that that kind of 
open the door a bit. I think my older brother was really knowledgeable on films, but as you hear on your music podcast all the time, there's there's those things you get from your older brother, but then that thing you find yourself means all the more. It's that it was my discovery. Like he hadn't heard of Room for Romeo Brass, and it was one of Shea Meadows's first film, Paddy Considine's first film, and yeah, it was a real wow. This is yeah. And that's, bit, this is it. And that's a heavy film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's really heavy, but really light as well. At that point, I think, I'm thinking more now, I'd, I'd got into films, but I said it was all through my brother. Clerks, my brother would have recommended, Buffalo 66, uh, Run Lola Run, all the kind of slightly more arty ones of that time, but all have come from a, a brother. But I always remember Room for Romeo Brass is the one that I'm like, you've got to watch this. Yeah, rather than him telling me what I've got to watch, and yeah, I think that is that's, that's quite like a, a a light film in places, and then when Paddy turns, I mean, spoiler alert, it's 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 terrifying and it's really one of horrible. the greatest turns in film mm. in film history for me. I talked about it on on the ninety minute or less film fest podcast recently because I think the the comeuppance as well, the kind of ending. Um, it's just like two families is the whole story. Two families mm. and one weirdo, but it's got as much of an emotional reaction from me as like when Luke t- takes out, out the Death Star and stuff like that, like far grander cinematic things, this simple thing of a horrible person getting p- 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 put in their place. Just, oh, mate, it got me. And just kind of sort of, you know, get pulled into them sorts of moments in film are you somebody that can completely sort of switch off and and get lost in in film and not 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 just you know your Shane Meadows and your you know your kind of heavy kind of you know emotionally sort of pulling at the heartstrings films you know can you just escape into film in, in many sort of different genres yeah man a big time in the cinema like in the cinema in particular um the new Ghostbusters film is probably going to make my films of the year list. And I think it's going to annoy people because it's such a blockbuster and it's such easy nostalgia. But I was just sat in that cinema with more food than I could reasonably carry, just having the time of my life, just so happy. And it was so easy to lose myself in it. But it's an interesting one. I can lose myself in a film, but something I think I've thought about in in recent years is it's not escapism for me. It's, it's rather than escaping my life, films are such an important part. It's, it's adding to and enriching my life. And, um, you know, the going away afterwards and thinking about it is a big thing and the taking it all in. And obviously these days doing the films of the year podcast and having my little list, it's, it's a beautiful en- enrichment rather than an escape. It's a key part of my life rather than an escape from my from my day-to-day as such. Can you talk about sort of taking, you know, taking from films and, you know, after the film's finished, is it, you know, have you got any sort of examples of films where you've sort of, you know, the credits have rolled and you're still sort of sitting there a little bit lost for breath and, you know, that, that kind of film where that the emotion in it has, has, has hung so heavy that, you know, it sort of stuck with you for, you know, a day or so. Yeah, man, I've got two things to kind of say on that. The first just example is I every time Gaspar Noe has a new film out, I go and see it in the cinema just for 
the awkwardness of being in a room of people when that experience ends because his films are generally quite shocking and jarring and unavoidable like do you know what i mean you 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 kind of want to hide away so the beauty and they often end abruptly as well rather than long credits it's kind of you're all on this journey drawn in and then all of a sudden you're in silence with a load of people who also just saw all of that happen and it's kind of it's a weird it's like the the buzz i used to get when doing spoken word of enjoying the silences and the slight discomfort like the controlled discomfort if you know what i mean and i get that from from gaspar no films but on the kind of taking things away from films just just quickly on, on gaspar no yeah. and like because i know that you know on previous podcasts we've discussed like irreversible and, and, yeah. and films like that and did, did, you saw that in a cinema right yeah yeah and yeah. i don't know that with amy bullman and about four people w- walked out early yeah um and by the end at least half of the audience had walked out and it was the first kind of c- cinema experience i'd had where i was like oh man this is this is edgy and and you know it's, it's an incredible film but i mean I, I, the scene that i think is probably the most stark within it is, is it, there's a rape scene in it and mm. and i think i remember sort of saying to you when i first saw it fucking hell that was just so horrible and you was like yeah, it's meant to be yeah, and it well, was that's like, what he'd kind of oh yeah, cool. Say in interviews, he said he'd he'd have these horrific things happen that make you feel physically uncomfortable and sick because they sh- should. We shouldn't be seeing it as we do often watching a rape scene in a gritty British drama and just eating our popcorn like, oh, this is going to be an interesting part of the story. It's a horrific th- thing, and he would pr- pr- present it as such. But the problem was that. Off the back of that, I think there was a lot of films that didn't really understand the art of it. So a lot of films followed that that were just shocking for the sake of being shocking, like having real sex in it and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, but it's not doing anything other than shocking. His, I always felt his had more of a meaning and a and a point and an impact. Well, aside from uh, watching sort of brutal cinema in in an empty (laughs) cinema. just, I know, you know. Obviously, we're friends, so I know that you you love the cinema and you go regularly. Yeah. Like, talk talk me through the the, the cinematic experience for well, you. Just qu- quickly, sorry. Before sorry, we there move was on, one, to go back there? to sorry. yeah, just yeah, to go back sorry. to that was um, on my first album. The closing track is called "Waiting for the Beat to Kick In," and people didn't know for years that that song is about how films have craft have sh- or the different films. That, that have shaped me as a person and the impact that I've genuinely had on me and who I am. In that song, I meet f- 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 four different people or five different people, and they're all characters from films. So the first person I meet is Lloyd Dobler from Say Anything, because the moment where he turns to his sister and says, how hard is it to, be in, to decide to be in a good mood and just be in a good mood, was life-changing for me as a really emotional teenager because I had some some breakups or whatever else, some bad things happen, and all the music I listened to kind of told me that this is how life is <laughs> and we're meant to be miserable and wallow in it. And that made me go, all right, well, let's just not be. 
let's turn that off and move on let's go oh, i'm happy today and and you can have a level of control over that um another one i talk about in that is i meet um who else do i meet i meet B- billy brown from um buffalo 66 i meet elwood p dowd from harvey which is my favorite film of all time and he 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 had a line that he's told he says my mother used to always say to me in this world elwood you can be oh so smart or oh so pleasant for years i was smart i recommend pleasant and it again it was another one that was just it changed my outlook on stuff massively just going right why you don't have to be arguing with people or trying to be right or trying to prove your point or whatever else or trying to be the cleverest or smartest or sharpest or whatever person in the room you can just be nice to people and it's a far more enjoyable life far better than the accolades of getting degrees or awards or whatever else it's like nice no, so yeah and the final one was um water neff from double indemnity because the the beauty of double indemnity is that he's kind of the bad guy yet he's the the classic film noir kind of good guy but then you're like no he's the bad guy and it's just again i learned from that that we've got all of that kind of in us i think if you if on a night out you act in a way that you're not proud of that doesn't mean that you're a bad person it means you allowed the bad parts of you to come through and you can work on not having that happen but it doesn't mean you have to spiral down that route and go well i'm a piece of shit then i may as well just continue to be a piece of shit if you know what i mean if that makes any sense at all like you've not got to resign yourself to that do you know what yeah. i mean that's not yeah. the sum of you of and again it, 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 it it's also amongst other things given me a lot more empathy and understanding when horrible stuff does happen because i think i don't think humans are good or evil i think we're both and we spend if we're good we spend a lot of time nurturing the good side and and making sure that comes out the example i always give is if you've got two kids like little babies and one takes the other one's toy they're probably going to smack them um in reaction and then we spend years teaching them that that's that's wrong your natural reaction to do that wasn't nice you have to care about how other people feel but yeah it just means that when i see these horrific things on the news about horrible stuff i'm like that's horrible but also i wonder how that person got there rather than just thinking oh they're a villain they're a bad guy and these are good guys kind of going how did they get to that because it's it's probably only a few steps you know or it could be a few simple steps i'm making uh, 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 myself sound like a a threat aren't i let's move on (laughs) (laughs) well talk about the cinema what what you're like in a dark room uh, with a load of strangers oh a massive threat um (laughs) i went to the cinema the other day and 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 i ordered my drink and my sweets and my hot dog and and the woman said oh she went away to get my hot dog they came back and went did I give you a straw? And I'd taken the straw out and popped it in my pocket because I need the top of my cup clear to put the ice cream on because I have to balance it on that because I've got a system. But her being a nice a wo- a wo- a wo- a woman had popped the straw in and I was too embarrassed to say, oh no, don't. So I just, I took it out, I licked it clean and popped it in my pocket. <laughs> and then she thought she hadn't given me a straw. I'm like, no, yep, it's in my, I just kind of opened my pocket. It's like, yep, I've got it. It's like, 
All right, weirdo. So yeah, I I I probably turn heads at the cinema every now and then because I tend to almost always go on my own. Um, and particularly if it's a blockbuster type film, if it's a Ghostbusters or a Star Wars or things like that, I want a big drink, hot dog, you know, ice cream, sweets, all of that. Cause it's all part of it for me. It's that kind yeah. of the real indulgence of it. Um, and yeah, as quiet a cinema as possible, I tend to go in the daytime, obviously even more so with pandemic stuff just for comfort and safety. I'm kind of quite at the moment, I'll wait a couple of weeks after a film comes out before going to see it, because even in the, in the daytime, it might be a bit busy. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my, uh, my process. I like to get in quite early, um, and enjoy all of it. I, I don't watch trailers at home. I tend to avoid trailers, but I'll accept them in the cinema to get the, you know, the big screen experience of it. And then, yeah. I think in, in, in a time where, you know, we, we, we've got so much film available to us. Certainly over lockdown, I'm sure subscriptions of the streaming services went through the, through the roof. It feels now to me that so much more of the plot of the film is given away in trailers now that yeah. I've done what you said. I just don't watch trailers anymore because yeah. I just, it spoils lots. It spoiled plenty of films for me now. Batman <clears throat> um, Dark Knight Rises was the one that did it for me. The one that had Hardy in as Bane, because the trailer for that had that amazing, the whistling, is no, a kid's singing, isn't it? A kid's singing and Bane is walking through the thing and yeah. then he blows everything up and it's amazing. I went to see that film and I loved the first two before that and I enjoyed that one, but the, the, that was the main impact bit and I've seen it in its entirety. Like that was basically the trailer was that scene. And I was like, oh, it really left me a bit empty because I was like, oh, I've already, that's a beautiful and amazing and stunning scene. And I've, I've seen it about 10 times in the, in the build-up. If you're sort of going to choose a film to watch, does, does your sort of emotional mood at the time ever sort of dictate that? At home, well, I'll tell does. you what, let me, let me give at you home, it does. Like at the cinema, I will have planned out what I want to see. And particularly, again, since doing my films of the year list, it almost feels like a responsibility. Like I put it on myself that I'm like, well, I can't give a films of the year list if I haven't seen this because oh. everyone's hyping about it. So it's like I wouldn't be... So, yeah, with cinema, I know I'll just be able to get into it because I'm there and I'm there for it. At home, yeah, completely depends on the mood, depends on... The time of day, everything, everything influences it. With that in mind, if you're feeling low, you know, will you reach for, you know, comedy, or will you happily then, you know, still watch a Mike Lee film and 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 just, you know, process that kind of feeling a bit blue and and just go, well, do you know what, like it's an emotion, I'm going to process that, and and watching this film may help that, you know, rather than just kind of put on something to sort of distract that and and, and... yeah R rather than g g genres i'd say kinds of film so you know first up obviously porn no i'm kidding um <laughs> no uh, <laughs> <laughs> blockbusters like stuff that's throwaway is what i want there it could be a comedy it could be a horror it could be a sci-fi anything but stuff that i feel is a bit throwaway not stuff that is going to be really not stuff that i feel i have to give my 
full attention as weird as as that sounds as i said i've got a really weird kind of i feel a weird i'm so reverent of of good cinema that i feel a kind of responsibility so it's like if it's a good film i'll hold off for ages because like right i'm not i'm not clear enough in the mind to to give it the attention it deserves like i'll never half watch a film and continue it the next day it's like right no if i'm watching it i'm watching it and i need to be 100 percent in if it's kind of a a good film as such whereas if it's a big blockbuster i'll feel a little bit more i can be a bit my mind drift off and and things like that have you ever had a a, a film that's like you know did it inspire you like have you ever watched a film i know we we, we spoke um you mentioned it to me a couple of months ago, the uh, the documentary film about Frank Sidebottom, the Chris mm. Seavey story. Yeah. And uh, and I hadn't sort of really spoke to anyone or watched that. And I was like, I can't believe I mentioned this to me. This film's incredible. And like, and it absolutely, when it finished, I was just absolutely like completely fired up and inspired. And like, have you ever sort of come away from a film and just thought, right, I'll, I want to go back in your music days, like, oh, I want to go right now, or now I want to kind of, I want to be a better actor. I want to, you know. Constantly, like... constantly, mate. And it's it's the one thing that can snap me out of a film in the cinema is I'll, a film will start to give me an idea for a script I'm working on or a story I want to work on, and I'll be trying to focus, but my mind will be going, and then you could do this, and then then that could happen. I literally had it, I was watching House House of Gucci, um earlier this week and it, i loved it but i had i can't think what 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 happened in the film that triggered it but i had an idea for a script i've been stuck I on. Just that idea for an outfit no yeah <laughs> that too uh, no i had an idea for a script i'd been kind of stuck on and then i'm like keep watching the film keep watching the film because I've, I've i've had the breakthrough idea i can come back to that i, I, was, I was driving for an hour afterwards like i got all that time in my own head but yeah it got distracting because of exactly that and i think it's more than ever now now i'm working on scripts and i'm in that world and in that industry it's constantly inspirational man you can see how how achievable things are and yeah it's exciting in that way and in regards to you know you mentioned hardy and and you, you mentioned uh paddy earlier mm -hmm. is there is there, a, you know, a, 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 an actor and whenever, you know, he or she does anything, you will go and watch regardless of it? Yeah. And and it's proper awkward because two of them are now two of my closest mates and one of them I know. So it is. It's Tom Hardy and Paddy and Stevie Graham. And, yeah. And Tom and Stevie are two of my closest pals now. But for a long time, anything they're doing, I'll be watching. I'll be, be getting the DVD from Bronson to the take to, I remember playing at Best of All one year um, and I can't remember who was headlining, but but we were there all weekend, but Lawless had just come out. So, so I drove off site and went and watched a film while all these amazing superstars of music are playing in this, this field. I've got backstage access. I'm in the cinema and someone, as I was going in, someone's, one member of staff recognized me and went, oh, can I have a photo? And I was like, only if you don't post it until after the festival's over, because I don't <laughs> I don't want people to know that I'm there being all, all music and rock and roll, and I've just gone, oh, there's a film I want to see. I've, I've driven an hour off site to go to a cinema on the Isle of Wight 
because because there's a new Tom Hardy film. So yeah. And so from from somebody that <laughs> you know seeing you in in them kind of music environments over the years and and you know you'd you'd earned your stripes in 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 that industry and you know you was there for the merits of your music and your abilities and you've chose to move into a career in acting now and it still feels like it's relatively new to me but it's been a few years now um, it feels new to me as well man and Completely. so with that in mind you mentioned hardy and and, and stephen graham uh both were in taboo uh yeah. which you know was it was an incredible series and you, you was in that and and venom out now on demand um <laughs> i was gonna get to that <laughs> just just getting a little a little advert in there <laughs> only came out last week i gotta get, get the plugs in but with taboo i mean it, i guess it was a, a little bit easier seeing as it was on your doorstep you didn't really have to travel far for that one no yeah um, it's easy but um but how did it feel moving into a new industry and obviously you'd performed in your music videos and things like that. And obviously you'd performed on stage and, yeah. you know, but to find yourself on a set with, you know, arguably two of the greatest British actors, or greatest actors in the world, in my opinion, you know, Tom Hardy and Stephen yeah. Graham, like how did you, and, and using so many scenes, but certainly with Stephen Graham, yeah. like, yeah. you know, how was that? Was there an element of imposter syndrome? Um, the, the, there would have been, if Stevie was anyone other than that, Stevie, he, he was gold. The first day in the tray in in hair and makeup, um, he came up to me all excited to see me, and, and we'd met once on the street in Soho. So me and my mate Kelly had, had, had just been to see Russell Brand at the Soho um, theatre, and we're standing outside, and I nudge her, and I'm like, "Fucking hell, Stephen Graham's coming up the street." She's like, is it? Oh, wow. And he he walks past, I kind of look, and then he looks and he walks on a bit, then turns back, comes back and go, sorry, mate, I just want to say, uh, me and my wife got your album after we saw you on Soccer AM. We love your stuff. And then he had to put up with 10 minutes of me going through every moment of his career. (laughs) And when you joined Boardwalk Empire, and it was this, 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 and that particular scene at the end of series five and all this. So we kind of knew each other a little bit because of that. And then he came on set and he was like all excited and that. Um, I knew our characters had stuff together and he was like, right, that's, how do we meet? And I was kind of like, well, we met in so... And he's like, no, how did our characters meet? <laughs> and, and me and him came up with a whole backstory that we met um, at, a, at a brothel late at night that there was only one g- girl left. Uh, so we shared a... Um, and th- and that's a, a unique bond for strangers to have, and and and, and all of this. Um, so we came up with all that, and then our first scene again. I'm as you know at that point in particular, I'm brand new to this. So I was like, I've not got any dialogue until the next episode. But you know, I've been thinking about my character. The first scene that me and Stevie had, we stood there well while Tom's character comes down some stairs and over to us, and then does like a deal with Stevie's character and we're all in position and and the director's like right camera's rolling that and Stevie's like we wouldn't be standing there in, in silence so I'm going to th- throw some dialogue at you and I didn't have time to panic or think about it so we, so we just improvised he he just threw the, the, the different questions at me about prostitutes um, and I had to improvise 
um, and 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 come up with answers. And it's one of the reasons I ended up getting a bigger role because the producers and directors saw I had one bit that really landed because Stevie just pulls and goes, so how'd you deal with three breasts? And, and I just paused and went, one at a time, boss, one at a time. <laughs> and then Tom's character arrives and the dialogue starts and all this kind of thing. And because of that, I think I got more credit as more experienced than I was. And that was all in the car as we were coming away from that. Stevie was like, I knew it. I knew we were going to hit it off. I knew it. And all this. And it was like, yeah, from then on, it was just sailing. But if he'd been quiet and not chatty in, the, in hair and makeup or just stood there and waited for tom to arrive it, it could have been it could have gone completely different it's all because of him that i was that it yeah he threw those those tests out i didn't have time to overthink it i was just like all right here we go well uh, what i want to ask you now is obviously we spoke about cinema but um so i can picture your front room you know we, we've sat there and we've watched uh we've watched sport together but we've never watched a, a film together as far as i can uh recall so talk me through the the setup, the uh, the 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 process of uh, you're going to watch something on Netflix or a DVD. Like what what's the what's the what's the position? What's the snack situation? Anyone there? Curtains open, closed. Give me the full breakdown. You know what? I need to confess because I'm a little bit embarrassed, but it's it's loosened in recent times really? because of st st streaming services. Now it used to be darkness. I've got like I had blackout blinds put in my living room purely because of films. Um, so I was like, really, it has to be pitch black. All this, it's loosened a bit because I guess there's so many films now, and you're watching so many. But w weirdly, I didn't know I was going to be asked this. But last night I watched a film I'd hoped to catch in the cinema, but hadn't. Last Jewel, uh, Ridley Scott's one with. Um, Matt Damon and Adam Driver and Jodie Comer and Ben Affleck. Um, and I went full kind of uh, lights off. I've got a few snacks. I try and keep it healthy at home. At the cinema, I'm allowed to eat anything I want because mm. calories don't count in the cinema. Mm -hmm. um, that's just science. But at home, I know they count. So, um, yeah. It's just that in darkness, and but again, it depends on the film. I enjoy watching a film with my missus and getting a takeaway and having a pizza there. I'll be very much like she has to put up with my <laughs> strict r r rules and stuff because she, she'll be like, "I oh, should we start the film now?" I'm like, "The food's not here yet." But all right, <laughs> what do you mean we start it now? Is that Food, we have to wait until the food's here because we're not pause, like because again I'm not a fan of pausing because that shouldn't be a thing. Yeah. But again, in my mind, it's all completely logical and these things have been <laughs> discussed in advance. But she, and, and, hey, and you can still see she, me. It's not complete darkness. She, Let me just she, shut the black. She regularly has to go. Sinister. All right, is that I didn't know that was a thing, but you go ahead. Um, but yeah, so the food <laughs> has to have arrived. Again, it's funny because we'll be watching something else until the the food arrives. And then she'll be like, oh, there's only a couple of minutes left. Should we finish it off? I'm like, no, the food's here now. So, I mean, we'll have to finish off what we were watching after the film because the food's here now. We're going to start the film, have the food. And that, again, in my mind, it's all logical. It's like, how would you watch 
How would yeah. you start your food and watch two minutes of something and then stop, put a film on? Oh, it's... it's starting to present itself to me that you going to the cinema on your own ain't your choice. No, yeah, it's for it's for every it's it's for, it's for everyone's uh, benefit, really. Yeah, it's it's best for everyone. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we spoke about it on the drunk cast because I held off to bring it up once. The last time me and Chris went to see a film, and how annoyed I was with him because he got me some ice cream because he had popped out to get some ice cream and he thought, oh, I'll get Pip some, but. That's not a casual thing. You, you, you know I've got strict choices on ice cream and that. Mm-hmm. So he just picked three r- random ice creams. I'm like, all right, just <laughs> cheers, thanks. That's so fucking rude. But again, it's also it's as 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 I have to get this this through to my parents as well. It's also because of now getting into more fitness and healthy stuff. If I'm eating badly, I want it. I want to really enjoy it. I'll, I want it to be exactly what I want. Like my dad got me a um, a cake recently because Hardy Park do stuff where it's the Marks and Spencers and a few different shops give stuff that's close to going out of date. And there you go. And he dropped around a, a chocolate cake the other day. And as soon as he gave it to me, I was like, I'm not eating that. I'm going to say thanks. I'm going to be p- 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 polite, but it looks all right. It doesn't look like, like if, if I'm going to have a chocolate cake, I want it to be, utter indulgence and the best chocolate cake ever otherwise i'm gonna be going well this is a, a sin it's a mild eating disorder stew but um yeah oh I, no i'm not questioning it mate <laughs> I, i've bumped into you in london and you was there because you got the train to london to get a brownie no it was a it was a cookie a, a, a new cookie had come out <laughs> <laughs> i'd seen about it on instagram and i was like oh i'll pop in and grab one of them I've not got all. I've not got all day, but I'll jump on the train, grab the cookie, train back. Lovely. Oh, that's half a day. Yeah, yeah, it's a good cookie. (laughs) Okay, so tell me then, Pip, why you decided to? Well, not so much why you stopped making music, but why you chose to move into uh, the the world of acting. Again, it's weird. It's weird name drops, but it's partly because of the podcast, and partly just because people I know have ended up doing well. But Riz Ahmed was in him and Nick Frost did a little a comedy th- thing for me and Dan once where we're sending up high fidelity basically and it was a promo for our new single and both of them like when we finished that and that was years ago Riz was like so when you're moving into acting then because again I'm as you know I'm a nerd for it I love I obsess over it far more than I do over over music weirdly um but exactly as you were saying imposter syndrome i'd always been like i didn't go to drama school i didn't go to any kind of posh school that did drama or anything i've got no right and it was riz paddy and simon Pegg, all kind of either on the podcast or off the podcast kind of said just do it i i just have a go and it was peg who kind of said you know when i've told this numerous times now but you know when you're doing a sad song on stage you know you're not really sad and when you're doing an angry song you know you're not really angry you that's acting you're you you've got experience it's not exactly the same you're still gonna have loads to uh, to learn but you've got experience in being on stage in performing in on in turning it on on memorizing words all the kind of the, the basics of 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 acting are there and you've got years of experience in that so 
yeah, it was a weird one. I kind of, I decided to, it's the same as I did with music. I was working in HMV and I decided to quit. I'd got to a management point. I decided to stop for a year and see if I could make it work in music. And like, yeah, as I've told a million times, almost a year to, to the day that that shout came out and was in the top 40. And I did the same on acting. I was like, right, I'll stop for a year and see if I can f- focus on this. And knowing how organized I am, I was like, right, I'll go through IMDb. I'll find the casting directors I like. I'll try and find them on Twitter, t- t- all these other things. And I found this one casting director. He'd, he'd done Guardians of the Galaxy and a few other things. And I couldn't find him on any socials. And the next morning, I had an email from him. And it was the weirdest thing. I was like, I'd, I'd never heard of this name. And then it was in my inbox. And him and Guy Ritchie and one of Guy Ritchie's producers were fans of the podcast. And they were doing a medieval thing and wondered if I wanted to audition. And that was kind of how it all, all, all started. And within that first year, I'd done a Guy Ritchie film. I ended up getting edited out of it, but th- that got me um, a show that was on FX by the guy who did Sons of Anarchy and The Shield. That then got me an agent and stuff oh no it was no i got taboo before i got an agent so yeah i then got a meeting for a taboo and yeah it all kind of all went from there did you ever like have any sort of concerns or considerations over like if having a stammer might impact on on a career in acting not massively it didn't cross my mind because i'm decent at getting it under control and i've done that in, in music like yeah i had a music career for years and no one knew i had a stammer even yeah. though i'm talking on stage every night um but on that guy ritchie film the first day i had dialogue again i'll, I'll put in extra time t- to make sure i've got it learned and i can do it more often than not w- w- without the stammering. so i prepped all my lines and then we're on set and guy ritchie's there and he calls me and Charlie Hannum and Neil, Neil Maskell and a few others aside. He's like, I'm not sure about this scene. Let's play about with it. And we kind of change bits around. We come up with new dialogue. He's like, yep, I like that. And I'm like, my mind's blown that my input is being valued and all this. And then we're about to roll. And I'm like, fuck, uh, we've changed my dialogue to be words I normally stammer on. And I've not had any time to prep. So... I still, again, I, I don't know if it is anywhere, but if there's footage of it, I want to see that take because all I was thinking was get the words out. I wasn't thinking about my character, how I'm going to d- d- deliver it. Um, it. It was, we won't stand in your way, but W's at the start can get me a bit. So two in a row. So all I was thinking, and it's a huge shot with like a camera on a crane that built the whole of like ye olde London, all this kind of thing. And loads of people had dialogue before me. And I'm like, I'm going to f- fuck all of this up that they're <laughs> going through. And then it's going to cut to me and I'm going to go. Can we go again? We go again. We set up again. We go back to the. Yeah. So, yeah, there was nerves then. But other than that, again, I just I prep. Like, you know, I'm an organized guy. So, yeah, I'll prep. I'll figure out how I can get around it. I want to make it work dwell too much on 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 stammering but we've spoke about um (laughs) we've spoke about it that it's quite underrepresented in tv and film and i know that one of the the shows that both me and you are fans of is brassic and it was 
it was brilliant to see a character in that have a stammer but not be defined his character be defined by that there was there was a little bit i spoke about that a bit and i found out that in the stammering community there were a fair few people who who, who weren't a fan of it oh because, really because he was an idiot but my argument was well they're all idiots <laughs> And that's that's kind of the point. It's, it's not a very that good point. It's, it's not that yeah. the, the, the stammering guy is an idiot. It's a bunch of idiots, and one of them has as a stammer. So yeah, that was good. But I touched earlier upon how the closing of cinemas hit me a bit. And when I was filming debris in Canada, my kind of lifeline was because again I had to be in isolation, couldn't interact with people. My lifeline a bit was the cinema. If I was feeling a bit dark. Or a bit lonely. I was like, right, I've got a cinema across the way. I'll go and watch a film. And one day I was having a bit of a, a rough day, and then I went across, and it was closed, and they'd all been closed for because of COVID. I mean, the story's amazing. It turns out they were m- m- meant to close months ago, but they thought that the new law didn't count them, and the people who made the law assumed that that oh, that they'd closed. And there was a news thing to one of the governors saying, so, so why, how come if bars are closed? Like, how come cinemas are allowed to be open? And he was like, they're not. So all the cinemas went, oh, shit, all right. Well, we'll, 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 we'll close it. So it was literally, it was overnight. They were meant to have been, been closed for months. But that hit me a bit. And the reason it came to mind is that was also the location for a really emotional moment for me. Because while I was out there, out of her mind, came out, which was a BBC comedy series I did with Sarah Pascoe and Carrie Ad Lloyd and Aid Edmondson and all sorts of amazing people. And I hadn't seen it. So obviously the episodes are coming out. I'm only in one episode, episode three or four. I've been watching it. It gets to my episode. And I'm not a fan of watching myself in general. I'm really uncomfortable. I've always been like that with my music. I don't, I can't stand listening to my own music it's one of the reasons the label has been so hard to run because if you release something on on vinyl they'll send you a test press and you have to listen to like your own album five times in a row and it's literally a living hell for me um but yeah i thought i'll tune in i want to support i'm a fan of these people i've got to yeah juliet stevenson i had a scene with who's literally an icon so i watched it and one of the takes that they used, I stammered in. And it got me proper emotional because we hadn't discussed that. I didn't know that was going to happen. And I think that's the only time there's been a character in a TV show who's got a stammer and it's n- never addressed. Like I've talked I've talked to the people about, at the British Stammering Association about this and all of that. It's like, I think that's the only time that's happened. And I spoke, I spoke to the directors about it. I, like, I sent them an email and, and they were like, it was just the realist take and it worked. It wasn't, you know, we weren't trying to make a statement or anything, but that was the the, the right take. Whereas other directors might've gone, oh, that was really good, but then he stammered. And the fact that they went, no, that was the, the realist take. It got me, man. I remember just everyone asleep because of the time difference. I'm sitting there just like, oh man, that's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of big. That's kind of deep. So yeah, that was kind of cool to have that that it was just it wasn't a defining thing it's not referenced at all but he uh he stumbles okay right pip we're going to start to uh wind things up because we want to sort of keep it within the hour uh okay. so uh so 
firstly, we're recording this on the, the 6th of December. Festive season started. Yes. When's the right time to start watching Christmas films? Depends on the film, man. Um, it's never going to... I knew you just couldn't fucking answer that normally. No, no, but like Die Hard and Gremlins, you can watch all year round, really. They're Christmas Definitely. films. They're better at Christmas. Um, the Tim Burton Batmans, again, totally Christmas films, but any time's a good time. Um, but Christmassy Christmas films, I think it has to be into December. Because I when... When Last Christmas came out a few years back, I was interviewing the director. So I went to a preview screening in like the beginning of November and it's the most Christmassy Christmas film ever. And it felt weird. It was like, it's all Christmas music, all Christmas things. I'm like, November, this isn't, this isn't right. I don't like it. So yeah, I think the start of December, you're good to go. That's the last film that made me cry. I thought it was great, right? Yeah. This, got, the, the scene when they get on the ice rink yeah. and Praying for Time comes on. Yeah. And uh, it's all based around the songs of, obviously, Wham and George Michael. Yeah. That come on. I don't know what it was. Maybe just the, the, the fact that Christmas is synonymous as well with George Michael dying. Yeah. Uh, and, and that song's a masterpiece. And, yeah, bottom lip went and, and that was it. I yeah. loved it. I thought it was amazing. It, like The podcast I did came out about it. And loads of people are like, I can't believe you're just p- pretending to like this film because you had someone on that. I was like, I didn't know it was bad. Everyone, like, it got slated and panned. I thought it was a gr- great little Christmas film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what are your go-to Christmas films? Well, my number one is is a Christmas film called a B- 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 Blast of Silence. Um, it's a 1961 oh, film. It was, never, it was never going to be Elf, was it? It was a nine. It's a 1961 film about um, uh, a, a professional killer who um, has has been given a hit at Christmas, and on the way, he bumps into an old mate and reluctantly agrees to go along to a Christmas party, and it starts to kind of change his his view on his choices, and if he's going to do the hit, if he's going to kill the person. But again, yeah, I knew, I was saying before we started rolling, I was like, oh, my answer is going to proper annoy you because it's, <laughs> it's such a me answer. It's this, it's this kind of dark film noir that is, is set at Christmas. But yeah, other than that, I, until recently, every year I watched Die Hard on Christmas Eve. My normal process is I'd go up the bell because all my family will go up to our local pub I'll go up there for one or two drinks and then I walk home on my own and listen to, to, to Oi to the World by the Vandals on loop. Um, I'll get in, I'll get, have some sweets and stuff and I'll sling Diard on and have a lovely Christmas Eve. But it's only in the last few years that I've started to go, I'm not really paying attention to it anymore. I'm, I'm putting it on because it's, tr- it's tradition, but I've watched it. I, I maybe need a few years off before returning to it. Okay. Well, we spoke about the podcast and, and I just want to ask you um, for, for listeners of this that uh, uh, are yet to discover the, the one that it is distraction pieces. Um, uh, I mean, how many episodes are you into now? Four, we get 422 or 23. Yeah. And so within that, for, for, for people that love their movies, um, 
what would you be what would be some recommendations that you'd throw their way of, of guests that you've had on from the, the the world of cinema i tell you what i recorded one last week that's one of my favorite i've ever done i mentioned it to you in in fact a guy called will sharp who who was in flowers and giri hadji but he's like 35 and he's a director he directed and wrote flowers as well and his two new things are landscapers which is with olivia coleman and david fulit and the electrical life of louis wayne which is with benedict cumberbatch and asim chowdhury and loads of amazing people and that was just to hear about the process of filmmaking that was a really good one but the michael fassbender one is one of my favorites um i really enjoyed just chewing his ear off and and winning him over like it's a a really nice one that clearly are so enthusiastic and knew so much about all of his stuff that yeah it went down well um all the times stevie graham's been on he's been on once on his own for a full episode once when we did a film together he came on for the mental health one he asked a question when i had danny mays on he recorded a little a voice note questions so yeah that's always always a good one but yeah i've had so many the paddy considine one early on and the riz ahmed ones early on the beautiful part then and still now of getting to learn from these absolute the best in their fields masters of the game and just ask them all the questions i want to ask it's it's a it's a a, a piss take to pretend the podcast is for anyone other than me um but yeah thoroughly enjoy it one i'm gonna throw in there we, we spoke about brassic and we spoke about shane meadows earlier um your episode with joe gilgan yeah um absolutely blew my socks off yeah, i thought man. um it's, it's one of my favorites you know, and he he doesn't do too much, does he? He's no. he's quite sort of selective, and and there was a real connection. I thought listening to that, and it and yeah. he just opened up, and you know, he's uh he's quite clearly a, a troubled soul at times, isn't he? And and he was so open uh, on that and, episode. And me and him had spent one day together and just absolutely hit it off. It was a year or two before that, though, so I hadn't seen each other since. And then we we lined this up, and it was great to just go straight back into to hitting it off yeah that's a, yeah he's a great lad I, I mean all of the, the this is england a lot that i've had on vicky mcclure was great shimmy was great um i said your paddies and yeah all sorts wonderful i've been lucky you certainly have um pip thank you so much for your time really appreciate you coming on and and, and thank talking you for films. Me along. it's been lovely it's, it's been an absolute joy and and thank you to everyone for uh popping up tonight we'll uh we'll get this episode out in a in a few days and then uh yeah share it around to your friends as well and uh yeah and uh get the word out there about reach out for mental health thanks everyone cheers everyone bye